Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Cynical Podcast. And I'm Ada Shen in Paris. First, the news. Trump sends mixed messages about the trade war, the yuan weakens past seven per dollar, and Hong Kong protesters bring the city's airport to a standstill. Here's what else you might have missed in a busy week in China news. China's massive export machine and its hunger for imported commodities like soybeans made it the U.S.'s top trading partner for goods from 2015 to 2018. But the deepening tariff war between the world's biggest and second biggest economies knocked China off its perch in the first half of 2019 as bilateral exports and imports slumped. China fell to third place in the U.S.'s trade table in the January to June period, with the total value of goods bought and sold between the two countries falling to 290 billion U.S. dollars. This is behind the 311 billion U.S. dollars recorded with Mexico and the 306 billion U.S. dollars with Canada. U.S. exports to China fell 18 percent, while imports fell 12 percent. The price of solar power has become lower than grid-supplied electricity in hundreds of cities across China, marking an important inflection point in the country's development of renewable energy. More than 300 Chinese cities can now deliver lower electricity prices from solar photovoltaics than from the grid, without relying on government subsidies. Solar prices in nearly a quarter of those cities can also compete with coal-generated power. The findings suggest that solar generation across China is approaching grid parity, the critical point at which a new energy resource costs the same or less than grid-supplied conventional energy forms like fossil fuels. Previous studies suggested that grid parity for solar power in China might be years away from becoming a reality. After years of rapid growth, China's solar industry has been consolidating since last year, when the government pulled the plug on its generous subsidies program in a bid to curb excess capacity and wasted investment. Nonetheless, China remains the world's largest generator of solar power and installer of solar panels. It's perhaps the greatest threat to humanity's survival in the 21st century, one that's galvanizing resurgent environmental movements across the West. 
But in China, public concern about the climate crisis seems comparatively thin on the ground. Now, an ambitious new study sets out to answer the question, how much do Chinese people actually care about global warming and climate change? The paper, published in the British peer-reviewed journal The China Quarterly, concludes that the Chinese public generally worries less about the climate crisis than other countries do. The report also found that women, younger people, and those with, quote, post-materialist values, close quote, a term given to the pursuit of higher human needs beyond food, shelter, and security, are more likely to fret about the climate crisis. Hong Kong's government slashed its 2019 growth forecast and announced a $2.4 billion package of measures to support the economy as the city faces threats from the impact of a global slowdown, the U.S. trade war, and mass protests. Financial Secretary Paul Chan Mopoa said expansion in GDP for the full year could slump to 0% down from a previous estimate of 2% to 3% and compared with a 3% pace in 2018. Chan said the measures will include subsidies for the underprivileged and business enterprises and higher salary tax rebates. Leading Chinese ride-hailing service Didi Chuxing is lowering its minimum passenger age from 18 to 16, allowing minors to ride without their parents' supervision. The policy shift comes just months after Didi said that it would prevent children under 18 from using the app, an announcement that came as relief for safety-conscious parents. But the restriction also made some youngsters who work or study away from home turn to illegal cab services, according to Didi. A Didi WeChat poll in February seeking public opinions on age restrictions found that more than half of respondents favored allowing minors to hail a ride without adult accompaniment. In another poll, 80% of respondents agreed that minors over the age of 16 should be allowed to use ride-hailing apps without adult companions. Chinese law allows children over the age of 8 to take taxis and public transportation alone. Last year, two female passengers were murdered by drivers working for Didi's Hitch carpool service. Didi then suspended Hitch at the government's request, but hinted in July that it may resume the service with extra protections for vulnerable passengers. A senior Communist Party official at the Shanghai Futures Exchange died over the weekend from unknown causes, sources told Caixin. Hu Kun, 46, a member of the exchange's party committee and its disciplinary inspection chief, died at home over the weekend, according to several people who refused to be named because of the sensitivity of the issue. The Shanghai Futures Exchange confirmed Hu's death late Tuesday. The exchange said in a statement that Hu was found dead in his home in Shanghai. Police investigation and forensic examination found Hu likely suffocated to death. The exchange praised Hu's contribution and called him dedicated and honest. The exact cause of Hu's death is still unclear. Rumors swirled among people familiar with him that he hanged himself, while others said he died of a heart attack. A former senior legislator in northern China's Inner Mongolia may have set a record for the country's officialdom, though not a laudable one. Xing Yun, former vice chair of the Standing Committee of Inner Mongolia's People's Congress, faces charges of accepting bribes worth $64 million, a record sum for a province-level official caught up in China's sweeping anti-graft campaign since late 2012. Prosecutors accused Xing, 67, of taking the bribes during his 20-year bureaucratic career, using his power to help others get promotions or secure government investment deals. Thanks, Ada. 
Let's turn now, as we do each week, to one of Sightseeing Global's reporters or editors for a closer look at a story in the news. This week, it's Doug Young, managing editor of Sightseeing Global. Doug, let's talk film today. It's a topic we can all relate to. Everyone loves movies. Uh, but specifically, let's talk about some of China's recent sci-fi films, and one in particular. Yeah, the, the film I wanted to sort of focus in on today was a film that just came out in the last week or so in China called uh, Shanghai Fortress or Shanghai Fortress. This was a, a sci-fi movie. Uh, it has quite a... Actually, it, it sounded a little bit... Uh, reminded me a bit of an 80s, 80s movie in the U.S. called Escape from New York from the description. But Shanghai is apparently the last city on Earth left standing after some massive alien invasion. And, you know, it's very sci-fi. Uh, sounds like it could be okay. But uh, the story here is apparently... Great storyline or not, uh, the, the the movie, which was apparently a pretty big budget movie for China. It had a budget of uh, 360 million yuan, which is about 50 million US. And apparently the movie just did awful at the box office. It is uh, currently expected to make about 125 million yuan, which is maybe one fifth of what it needs to make to just to break even. So it's a... Well, it is a big story just because a previous movie that had come out earlier this year called Wandering Earth was heralded as this huge success. It did really, really well at the box office and had a lot of people saying, oh, China's going to become the next sci-fi powerhouse. And now this latest movie is like getting a lot of sort of the pundits out there saying, Oops, uh, maybe not so fast with China becoming a uh, sci-fi powerhouse. And the sort of the end of the story is that the uh, the director, uh, who's a guy named Tung Huatao, was so embarrassed by the whole thing and so humiliated by the whole thing, he actually came out and issued this relatively long formal apology on social media for just making such a bad movie and and tarnishing China's big aspirations in sci-fi. So my daughter tells me there was a line in that apology that said, people have said that Wandering Earth opened the door for Chinese science fiction and Shanghai Fortress has now shut that door. Ouch, man, you got to feel for the guy a little. Uh, but that does sound like a terrible bath that the producers and financial backers took. Uh, so was it also critically panned? Um, I mean, how bad was it? Yeah, uh, the movie, apparently it did okay on its opening day, which I guess isn't that surprising for a you know, movie to get lot, gets lots of hype. Uh, it, it brought in $10 million uh, on its premiere day, but apparently it just tanked after that. And apparently the re reviews were just scathing uh, on the, the big Chinese film rating site called Doban. It only got 3.2 stars out of 10. And apparently people were saying the plot was incoherent and it just wasn't well made. And, and apparently it turns out, again, I'm not a, a China movie expert, but this guy Tung, the uh, director, is uh, apparently better known for his rom-coms, his romantic comedies. Uh, so, you know, maybe this is sending the message that uh, people need to stick with what they do well. Uh, we all remember a previous failure with uh, actually another sci-fi one, that one by Zhang Yimou a couple years ago, The Great Wall, where uh, invaders from outer space came and did all sorts of weird things, I guess. Uh, but that, that The Great Wall was originally constructed to keep out these alien invaders. Uh, and that movie did awfully, too. And it was also another big budget movie. And again, it was Zhang Yimou, who's, you know, sort of known for his sort of artsy, 
big picture, historical, sort of sweeping films, you know, going into sci-fi. So maybe the moral is do what you know best and stay away from sci-fi. <laughs> My daughter's theory is that both Shanghai Fortress and The Great Wall flop because they both starred a guy named Lu Han. <laughs> anyway, maybe your take on the advice is right. Who knows? Uh, we will, in any case, talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Kaiser. Thank you. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is powered by Sup China and is produced by Kaiser Guo and Tanner Brown with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global and to Spring and Autumn and Wu Fei for the music. Be sure to check out all the other shows about contemporary China in the expanding Seneca network. And be sure to follow the news from China every day at Sup China. Subscribe to our newsletter at subchina.com. Take care.